This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16 this evening. And uh, we'll look together uh, in Acts chapter number 16 at uh, verse number 6. Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called for us to preach the gospel unto them. I want to speak to you on this subject. A vision appeared. A vision appeared. Now, I've had opportunity to preach this passage of Scripture uh, before and um, here in our church, and uh, the Lord's using it in my heart today and this evening, and I just want to share some things with you as we think about this vision. Uh, The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 29 and verse number 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 in verse number 9, For a great door and effectual is open unto me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 12, Paul said, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was open unto me of the Lord. As we serve God, that is what we desire. We desire for the Lord to direct us, and we desire for the Lord to open doors of opportunity and doors of ministry that he would lead us through. And, and, and sometimes when we talk about God opening a door, uh, we're asking God to open a door in some area of our life or on our behalf. And, and certainly there are times when we call out to God Uh, and we ask God to open opportunities for us. But we always need to keep this in mind. The the opportunity that God is most concerned about is is not necessarily the opportunities for us to advance ourselves or for us to prosper, but for us to serve him and proclaim the message of the gospel, for us to advance his kingdom and his cause. As we come to Acts chapter number 16, we find Paul on his missionary journey. Uh, 
And Paul has embarked upon the mission that he has been called to. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 13 that the Holy Ghost said to them, separate Paul and Barnabas uh, for the work that I've called them to do. And so uh, the church in Antioch obeyed the Lord, and they set them apart, and they sent them to do the work. In Acts chapter number 16, uh, Paul is seeking uh, to go to uh, preach the gospel uh, in uh, different areas in, in, in Galatia. And the Bible says in verse 6, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Verse 7, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. I want you to think about the frustration that the Apostle Paul experienced because I can imagine the Apostle Paul as a go-getter. In fact, I don't think there's any doubt that he is a go-getter. Do you? I mean, in his practice of the Pharisees' religion, he was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he, did not just, he was not just content to be one of the Pharisees. He wanted to be a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was uh, very zealous in his religion, though he was lost, though he was blinded. He, he was very zealous. And we understand that Paul was a, a knowledgeable and a very skillful man with a great amount of passion. And the Lord saved him on the road to Damascus. And God called him uh, to serve and to serve in the message of the gospel and preaching the message of Jesus Christ. And now here is Paul. He, is, uh, he has been equipped by God. God knew him before the foundation of the world. And uh, God programmed in him the DNA that he wanted him to have. And here he is. He's an aggressive uh, go-getter. And, and uh, aggressive go-getters uh, are, are great, great people to be around, aren't they? And uh, if we're going to see God do something, and uh, we, we certainly want to be around people who love the Lord and who are aggressive. But sometimes we can get aggressive in the energy of our flesh, right? And, and, and so here the Apostle Paul is. He is ready and raring to go, ready and raring to go. And uh, he is forbidden. Think of this now. Think of this. Forbidden of the Holy, of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And uh, so God has another plan. And uh, then he essays to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So I want you to think about the frustration. I mean, here it is. It looks like it's the thing to do. And he certainly has the desire to do it, doesn't he? And he's ready to go, but he can't get there. Why? Because God is closing the door. He hasn't opened the door. He has closed the door. And God uses this time of uh, frustration, this, this time of, of resistance perhaps. He uses that to open a door of opportunity. In verse number 9, the Bible says, And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul 
in the night. That's what he was waiting for, wasn't it? That's what he needed. He needed God to speak to him. He needed God to direct him. And he received the vision from the Lord. Now, I want us to see some things about this vision and how God worked to reveal this vision uh, to uh, the Apostle Paul. And I want you to write down this word, adaptation. Adaptation. Uh, do you know what it means to adapt? Adaptation. What does it mean to adapt? It means uh, to be willing to change my plan. To be willing to change my plan. Uh, to 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 be humble and submissive uh, to God so that God uh, has absolute sovereignty in my life. He has absolute right in my life to direct me as he pleases. Now, we understand Paul had a good motive, didn't he? Get the gospel. And he had passion. And, and really, he had a good plan, but God is going to change his plan. <laughs> I, I wrote this in my notes. Paul had a good idea, but the Lord had a better idea. Paul had a good idea. I mean, if we were sitting around with Paul and he said, now, all right, boys, here's the way I see it. We're going to charter our course, and we're going to go into Asia. Well, that's not working out. So here's plan B. We're going to go down uh, to, uh, to Bithynia. Well, that's not working out. Well, God says, listen, I want you fellas to hear my plan. And so, uh, Paul had a good idea, but God had a better idea. And so our plans, our plans must be submitted to the Lord and our plans play second fiddle to his plan. And God has the right to change them. Doesn't he at any time? And so may we be ready and willing to allow the Lord to direct us. Now, I want you to see some things. We're going to look at this. We think about adaptation, adaptation. I want you to write this word down, problems, problems. Let's look in, in Acts chapter 15 and verse number 36. Acts 15 and verse number 36 and some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again to visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So we see there's a problem. It begins with a disagreement. And the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas is over a fellow named John Mark. Now, John Mark ought to be somebody that we're getting familiar with because we've been studying the gospel according to Mark, and he is the human penman. He's the instrument that God used to record the gospel according to Mark. But at this point in his Christian life, the Apostle Paul is not ready to take John Mark with him. 
And the reason he's not is because John Mark departed from them in Pamphylia. Uh, somewhere along the line, uh, John Mark uh, either got homesick or got discouraged. Uh, I don't know what happened to him. But we know that whatever it was, it caused him to turn back. And Paul lost confidence in him. Now, Barnabas, he's the son of consolation. Barnabas is an encourager. And don't you appreciate Barnabas' spirit here? Barnabas says this, hey, Paul, John Mark needs another shot. Let's try to encourage him. Let's try to rally around him. Let's take him with us. Now, maybe Paul hasn't developed as, uh, as much uh, uh, sensitivity to that at this point. We don't know, and it's, it's really not fair to speculate a great deal, but we do know that Paul disagreed. And so here's a great, great missionary team, Paul and Barnabas. They got a problem, and they do not agree. They, they have a, a, a disagreement here. Now, notice verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them. These guys could not agree on this. To the point it got heated. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, I can hear, I, I don't know if you can, but I can hear, I can hear the conversations taking place at Antioch in the church. Can't you? Or did you hear about Paul and Barnabas? No. Oh, yeah, it's bad. What's happened? Oh, you know John Mark. Oh, yeah, 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 John Mark. Yeah, he's, he came home. Yeah, right. Well, Barnabas wants to take him. Well, that's Barnabas, isn't it? I mean, Barnabas is that kind of guy. He's just trying to encourage John. Yeah, but Paul don't want to take him. Oh, really? No, it's the truth. Paul doesn't want to take him. And they don't agree. In fact, it's gotten pretty heated. I heard it was pretty touchy in there. And now they've split up. Wonder what's going to happen now. That's what we do, isn't it? I mean, we start despairing, and we start adding to the story. I imagine somebody probably thought they'd come to blows by, uh, by the time the story was told three or four times. Who knows what was said? But the story always gets larger, doesn't it, as it's repeated? And can't you just imagine the despair and the anxiety of the members of the church at Antioch as they thought about this great missionary team that the Holy Spirit had called and, and commanded them to send out, and now they're split up? <laughs> There's a problem. There's a problem. You know that problems will come to any group of people uh, who serve the Lord. Now, notice this. The Bible says the contention was so sharp. Do you know what the Bible says about contention? Only by what? Does anybody remember that? Only by what? Pride cometh contention. Now, I wasn't there. I can only assume because the Bible tells me there was contention. That Paul thought he was right, and Barnabas thought he was right, and somebody would not give in, and there was contention. Only by pride, say it with me, church, only by cometh contention. 
whenever we have contention among God's people, it's because of pride. And pride is the original sin. Pride is all about me. Husbands and wives in, in disagreements and arguments, and one wants to prove that they're right, and they won't give in, and maybe they don't talk to each other uh, for uh, a night, or, or, and that leads into the morning, and then the next day, and the next day. And before you know it, they won't hardly speak to each other, and they can't even remember what it's all about. But it's all because of pride. Or maybe they take the opposite approach, and they just let one another have it until their tongues have done such damage that it's almost irreparable. And it's all because of pride. And churches split because somebody gets uh, their feelings hurt or, or because somebody wants the power. Let me tell you who deserves to have the power. Let me tell you who can only be trusted with the power. Jesus. He has all the power. And when it becomes about us, when it becomes about our agenda, when it becomes about what we want, then that's pride. And pride brings contention. This past week, <clears throat> I was talking to some friends of mine who are going through some great trials and some churches that are going through some great trials. And I just want to say this to our church. God has been really good to us. He's really good to us. God's been really good to me. And we praise the Lord for all that he's doing. But let's guard our hearts with all diligence because pride could get in and contention could threaten to undo the work of God. And don't you think the devil wants to get in? Do you remember what the Lord said to Cain? Cain uh, Cain's problem was pride, wasn't it? Um, I'm going to sacrifice the way I want to, Lord. <laughs> and I've done a pretty good job with this garden. I'm going to bring you the best stuff I got. And that ought to be good enough for you. And God said, no, no, no. And he got really mad and he got jealous because here's Abel keeping the sheep. And Abel brings the lamb sacrifice and it's accepted. And Cain says, well, wait a minute. You accept him, but you won't accept me. And the Lord tries to reason with Cain. And he says this. He said, sin is at the door. Let me tell you, the devil is lying at the door waiting to get in. And so here's this, this problem. And I imagine, again, it didn't just affect Paul and Barnabas. It, it affected John Mark, and it affected the church. And so there was a problem here. And I, I think Barnabas, I, I don't know who was right and who was wrong, but I know this, Barnabas was an encourager, and John Mark would later pen the gospel according to Mark. And Peter, the apostle, is influential, instrumental and influential to Mark in, in the record that is given in the gospel according to Mark. In fact, many believe that, that Mark just simply wrote what uh, Peter recalled. And he's the, he's the secretary, if you would, 
as the Holy Spirit moved upon Peter and uh, Mark, of course, accumulated and wrote these things. And who better to help encourage somebody who had gotten away from God and come back than Peter, who denied the Lord three times. So vision requires adaptation. Uh, There are problems that come, and those problems change things sometimes. And then there are uh, not only problems, but uh, there are paths, paths, and those paths change. Uh, Notice again in verse 39, this contention is so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. And so there's, there's divergent paths here Uh, because of the problem. Barnabas and Mark go one way, Paul and Silas, they go the other. Uh, we, we have to, as God's children, if we're going to allow God to lead us, we understand that there will be times when we do have problems. We, we don't welcome them, but they do come. But we cannot allow those problems to divert us from our purpose. And the thing I admire about Barnabas and John Mark and Paul and Silas is that they didn't get mad, they didn't huff and puff and quit on God. They just simply disagreed. And they went on and they served the Lord. They they took a new route. They went a different path, but Nevertheless, God is going to use the problem, and God is going to use the path. Let me tell you that God is bigger than our problems. He's bigger than our plans. And even the things that sometimes come to us that we think, well, this is terrible, and and it might be. Aren't you glad that God can overrule? God is able with his sovereign power to overrule and to work all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so God is going to use this problem for good. That's exactly what he did in Acts chapter number 6 when there was a murmuring between the Grecians and the Hebrews because the widows were neglected. It was a problem in the church. And God gave the apostles wisdom to address the problem. And the problem, when it was addressed, when the church moved forward as a result of God's speaking to the apostles and through the apostles to the church to solve the problem, what happened to the church? They went forward. The gospel grew. People were saved, and many were added to the Lord because the Holy Ghost led them. And so the Holy Ghost is the salve to heal all our wounds, isn't he? And to give us the grace we need. So we write down the word problems, we write down the word past, and then we write down the word possibilities. Possibilities. Before we write that word, let's write another word. Let's write down the word partners. 
partners. Look in verse number one. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek, and as they went through the cities, they delivered them decrees for to keep and were that were ordained to the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem, verse 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So we've written down the word partner, partners. Now, Paul has got a new partner. His name is Silas. Barnabas has got a new partner. His name is Mark. Although he's an old partner, now returned. But Paul's got a new partner, Silas. And as he's going about his business in the path, the new path that God is leading him in, he finds a new partner. A partner perhaps he would not have encountered. A partner who would not have been available to him or maybe he wouldn't have gone through that town in that particular journey. Because perhaps had he stayed with Barnabas, they would have went a different route. But because of the separation, because God overrules in the problem and God directs them in a new path, he finds a new partner, Timotheus. Notice what the Bible says of him in verse number 2. He was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Timothy had a heart for God. He had a faithful record. He wanted to serve the Lord. God had touched him. God had called him to serve him, and he was recommended and reported of well by the brethren unto Paul. And Paul needed some help, and so Paul took him. And what a partner Timothy becomes. But not just a partner, a son, a son in the faith. A beloved son is the term that Paul uses in in the epistles to Timothy. And so what a special thing God does. Do you know that out of the heartache of disagreement, God can overrule and then God can bring a relationship into our life that is the most meaningful of all that we have if we trust him? You know, I see a lot of hurt people. I meet a lot of hurt people, and they just cannot seem to get over their hurt. And they happen to look at every other person through the lens that they picked up when they got hurt. And and they begin to question everybody's motives, and they try to protect themselves from being hurt further They judge everything according to their past experience. The Apostle Paul wasn't like that. He couldn't have been like that because had he been, he would never have been able to receive a new partner and to enjoy the fellowship and the communion and the relationship that he is going to enjoy with Timothy and what an influential relationship it was. There's a lot of concern among preachers today about the next generation. 
And I think as a church, we ought to be concerned about it as well. The next generation. The greatest thing that we can do for the next generation is not just, you know, groan in despair about all the things we don't like about them. The greatest thing we can do for them is love them and invest our lives in them. And they're not going to want to do everything the way we've always done it. And instead of getting so frustrated about that, why don't we spend more time trying to get in touch with their heart and speak to them about the Lord and develop a relationship with them so that they know that we do truly love them and then we can impart some things to them that we hope they get a hold of. But they're not going to get a hold of it if we just huff and puff and roll our eyes at them and say, well, those millennials. And there's something we need to be concerned about today. I don't know if you recognize this or not, but most of our independent Baptist churches are aging out. I mean, there are churches in Hickory, and there are churches all across our country. I, I, I spoke to a, a friend of mine last week. He said, the average age in our church is 70. The average age. Yeah, in 10 more years, there's not going to be much of a church left, is there? In 20 years, not unless we reach the next generation. We need to get burdened about that, don't we? You, see, you say, well, look around here on Sunday. We've got a lot of kids, and we do. We thank God for that. We've got a lot of young people. Yes, we do. But listen, that's a drop in the bucket, isn't it? It's a drop in the bucket. I think it was Ken Ham put out the book, we're, we're one generation away from losing the church. Now, we're not going to lose the church because, number one, the church isn't ours. The church is the Lord's, right? It's his church. And what did he say about his church? I will do what? I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not what? Will not prevail against it. So I, I know that God's church is going to go forward. But I'm going to tell you, I'm, I am concerned. Are you concerned about what you're seeing happening? And all the damage and all the destruction that the devil is doing in churches? But God is going to lead Timothy to a new partner. Or Paul, rather, to a new partner. And it's a young man named Timothy. And when Paul is in prison about to be beheaded, who is he chiefly concerned about writing to? Do you remember? This boy. And by the way, in that same epistle, you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, John Mark is profitable unto me. It's amazing. Hey, it's amazing how God can deal with those problems in time. In time, God can deal with those problems if we'll just give him time. If we'll just give the grace of God, God can deal with those problems, and God is going to reconcile Paul and John Mark later. But now he's got a new partner, Timothy. You see, this vision requires that we are adaptable. 
that we are willing to submit to God's plan. Now, I asked you to write down the word a minute ago, and then I threw the word partner in it, but I want you now to look at this word uh, possibilities. Possibilities. <clears throat> Paul is trying to get where he thinks God wants him to go, but it's not where God wants him to go. And now God uh, speaks, reveals uh, his plan to Paul through a vision. A man of Macedonia prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. So there's a new possibility here. After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a river, and prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. <laughs> hey, when God opens doors, he'll open hearts. When God opens doors, he'll open hearts. Maybe we don't know what door God will open, but once he does that, God will open the hearts of people. You know what happens to Lydia? Well, she gets saved. And uh, you know what else she does? She says, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, why don't we just have meetings right here in my house? In fact, the church of Philippi is going to be in her house. You see, the Lord opened her heart, and she opened her home to the Lord, and God is going to work mightily here. You see, there's a new possibility. There's one that they never considered. There's this this woman who, uh, as far as we know, is not married, and uh, she is a, 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 a businesswoman, and uh, she is apparently doing well, and she's affluent, and God's working on her heart. And she knows in her soul there's a God. And she has a desire to follow him. She just doesn't have a lot of knowledge of who he is. She's living in a pagan place. And she's had a belly full of it, and she understands there can't be much, uh, uh, much truth in, in what's going on in Philippi. And then Paul comes and preaches the gospel. And she says, that's it. And she receives the Lord as her Savior, and she opens her home. And then Paul's going through the street, and there's this demon-possessed girl in verse number 16, and she's, she's following him. And she has a spirit of divination. She is a, a servant girl, a slave girl, and her masters use her to, as a fortune teller. And uh, she's being abused and, uh, and, and, and held as a slave, and she's possessed of the devil. And she would follow them and cry out, these men are the servants of the Most High God. Verse 18, and this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw the hope of their gains was gone, that's what most of the people in the world are concerned about. You know that? 
the hope of their gains. They don't care to line up. In fact, I listened to uh, uh, the briefing today by Albert Moeller. It's a podcast I listened to, and he was talking about uh, the LGBT agenda and one of the chief uh, instruments of promoting the LGBT agenda is, is corporations, companies. And many of them have changed their logo in the month of June to reflect what is called Pride Month. And let me tell you, let, let's make no mistake about it. The reason they do it, to gain, to make money. And, and look, this world doesn't care to line up with anybody or anything as long as they think they can make a dollar and enrich themselves. May God help us as his people never, ever to allow that to become the motivating factor in our lives. And so when they saw the hope of their gains was gone, they drew them into the marketplace, into the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates and say, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. You know that's the way the world looks at us today? These Christians, these people who believe the Bible, they exceedingly trouble our city. Uh, the, 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 the vehement left wing in, in our nation, uh, let me tell you, it's, it's not just politics anymore, it's morality. When, when you make uh, abortion a human right, uh, friend, you, you've entered into a level of depravity and darkness, and we need to stand and shine as lights in the midst of this perverse and crooked nation. But when we do, make no mistake about it, they will say of us, these men do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. I mean, this, this, uh, this narration is as fresh as today's newspaper, friends. And he said, what in the world are we going to do? Here they are. I mean, they think we're crazy, and, and they don't like us. <laughs> we're just going to trust God and keep doing what we're doing, right? Right? And he said, well, you know, if so-and-so doesn't get in office, we're in trouble. <laughs> hey, Jesus is still in office, let me tell you. The word of God is still true, amen? I'm about to start doing a little bit of preaching tonight. Are you ready for it? Verse 22, and the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. I wonder what we'd have in church Sunday if something like this were to happen to us. I wonder how excited we would be. But this happened, didn't it? You see, the possibilities always comes with a price, don't it? There's always a cost. There's a cost. And the devil's going to try to say, hey, hey, boys, be quiet. Just go mind your own business. Go back to Antioch. There's no reason to stir it up. 
And so they get thrust into the prison, the inner prison. Their feet are made fast in the stocks. Verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed and the keeper of the prison waking out of his sleep seeing the prison doors open drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled but Paul cried with a loud voice saying do thyself no harm for we are all here then he called for light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved? You see, if it hadn't been for that mob, if it hadn't been for that beating they took, if they hadn't been in prison, that jailer would have never been saved. But he got saved. I love Paul's answer, verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. Hey, the whole family got saved. The whole family got saved. And on Sunday, guess where they went? To Lydia's house. The jailer and his family. The demon-possessed girl, Lydia, and no doubt many of the girls that work for her, they're in the church, and they're giving testimony. And Paul's thinking, maybe he's looking at Silas. Maybe, maybe those, those wounds from the beating aren't hurting near as much as they were. And Timothy, young Timothy, who he didn't sign up for all this, but it's here. He starts hearing the testimony of the jailer and then of Lydia and then the demon-possessed girl and then other people get saved and they look at each other and they say, now we know. Now we know. Now we know why God allowed that problem to come and how he used it to direct our path and to give us new partners so that we might see new possibilities. And friend, if we'll just follow God, if we'll just follow God, God will lead us and we'll see new possibilities. Don't you want to see that? You want to see that in your life? You want to see that in your home? You want to see that in our ministry? In our church, I do. I do. I met today with our finance committee and some of our staff, and, and we praise the Lord for all God is doing. Mrs. Reed tells me that we have, if we started school today, we'd have more than 260 students. We see the financial report, and it's, it's, it's not in the red. Hallelujah, right? It's in the black. 
But then you start thinking about the needs. And I want to tell you, sometimes it's just like a, it's like a, a tsunami. <laughs> when you start talking about all of them, you just feel like you're drowning. And you think, how in the world are we going to do it? How in the world are we going to do it? Well, that's just where we need to be, isn't it? Because when you don't know how in the world you're going to do it, then you're not looking around at each other and yourself and saying, oh, I got the plan. Now, God can give us the plan, right? But we have to look to him, don't we? We have to look to him. And I'm praying that God will direct us as a church. That God will lead us forward. That God will lead your family forward. There's such a great need in our community for people to hear the gospel. And some of the things that we think are so vitally important are not. And some of the things that we aren't really concerned about are vitally important to God. And God, God knows how to get our attention and direct our path and give us the partners to do the work that he wants done and fulfill the possibilities that he has for us. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.